time has come. Execute order 66. Yes, my lord. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode order 66. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And we have a phenomenal episode for you tonight. It's a bit different than some of the other episodes we've been bringing you. There's going to be no news segment, and it's all going to be about Shore Leave. And Miles, tell me up front, be honest with me, are you looking forward to Shore Leave? Um. I'm probably Jonesing for Shore Leave. Man, I am absolutely stoked, stoked about Shore Leave. We're going to be bringing you, as a part of our podcast tonight, not only our thoughts about the things we're looking forward to at Shore Leave, 32, I was going to say 31, but that was last year, 32, and also talking to, a little bit later on, Keith Cadido, who you've heard on the show before, uh, one of the Star Trek authors, Farscape authors, that'll be down at Shore Leave 32, and also an interview that we bring you with Mike Schilling, the media relations coordinator for Shore Leave 32, and it's going to be an awesome, awesome show, just bringing you these fine folks as we talk about... Shore Leave 32 and what you can be expecting and looking forward to. So, uh, Miles, let's jump right into it. Um, maybe a good place to actually log into is a Shore Leave 32 site. If you aren't familiar with it, you just go to shore-leave.com, uh, and that should take you to all the information you would ever want to know about Shore Leave 32. Uh, Miles, tell me. What are you looking forward to this year at Shore Leave? Uh, one thing is just seeing some of the guests that they're going to be there. Uh, uh, I mean, for crying out loud, they're going to have uh, Edward James Alamos and Katie Sackoff from Battlestar Galactica. The show just went off there last year. It hasn't been that long. And we're, we're getting, you know, to, to the headliners from, from BSG to, to be uh, at Shore Leave. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing them. Uh, hopefully we get a chance to talk to them and uh, hearing them speak in the sessions, maybe get my picture taken with them. Uh, I know my wife is really... Looking forward to, to uh, seeing them, too, as well. Uh, another thing I'm looking forward to is just sort of seeing old friends. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the Starship Farragut guys there and uh, maybe find out what, what's what's new with them, whether they're progressing with the new projects. But just, you know, just talking to them. We had a great time with them 
at uh, Far Farpoint this year and at Shore Leave last year, and so I'm looking forward to reconnecting with them, reconnecting with the with the uh, Star Trek novel authors so, that we've spoke to in the past. Uh, I, I could go on what I'm, what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, Dayton Ward's going to be there. Keith DeCanado, Kevin Dilmore, Kevin Dilmore, uh, yeah. And so, and uh, Richard Wright will be there, and I don't think we've ever met him in person. We talked to him on the show here, and uh, you know this. Del- you know, one of the things about that Mike Schilling and I, we actually did the Mike Schilling interview earlier today. But one of the things that, and we're recording this podcast, by the way, immediately after episode 65. So not a lot of time has gone by here between that. But one of the things that Mike Schilling said, you know, for a small convention like this, it typically brings in anywhere from a 1,000 to 2,000 people, you know, on any given day, is that there's a sense of family for people that come to all three days of this convention. You begin to see familiar faces. You chat with people that are into familiar interests of you, and you really get to know the people. No, I, I agree with that 100%. Uh, you get to kind of get a little camaraderie with uh, uh, some of the folks that are going to be at the convention, and even some of the guests. I mean, uh, you and I, we kind of got a little friendship rapport with uh, um, Miracle Laurie when we were there last year. Yeah, even and even the guy that played I.L., uh, right. We ended up connecting with him, and we finally said, "Oh, we got to interview you." We've been talking to you throughout the entire weekend, so mm-hmm. totally, uh, totally cool. I forget the guy's name. Is that so bad? So terrible. Uh, Clifton Collins. Thank you, Clifton Collins was there. Also on the guest list, Tori Higginson and well, Bill Dow was. But for those of you Stargate fans, I'm sorry, Bill Dow as of today has canceled. So you will not be seeing him on the de- guest list. But Tori Higginson, who was an SG-1 in Atlantis, who played Dr. Weir, is going to be there. If you're a Star Trek fan, some great fans, some great people are going to be there. Catherine Hicks, Dominic Keating, both there. And, of course, Kevin Sorbo is going to be there as well. He mm-hmm. played Hercules. So a great, just a great guest list, period. At Miles, beyond just a guest, what does Shore Leave have to offer people? Well, what it has to offer people is... Just gathering people who enjoy something together, together. I mean, uh, you get to talk to, with, with people you've never met before, but you, hey, we love Star Trek or we love, uh, Stargate or, or, um, you know, just, just talk about things that we love. Uh, it gives chance, people a chance, uh, to dress up in costume. Um, they can't do this anywhere else, but they can come to this convention. Uh, you'll see some stormtroopers. You'll see Darth Vader. You'll see some, uh, uh, people dressed up in, in Star Trek uh, uniforms, Klingons. You'll see a whole group of Klingons. Maybe they'll have the, the, the torture chamber like they, they have in the. In, yeah, you enjoyed that last year, Miles. Yeah, we're yeah. Let's let's um, <laughs> let's down low. Um, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but it was all for It was for all for good cause. Uh, and speaking of good causes, that there's going to be things to raise money for uh, for certain charities that are there. The Red Cross will be there to be do a blood drive. Um, the Star Trek novel authors are going to roast uh, Michael Jan uh, Friedman, but the but the, they're going to raise some money there for uh, for the Red Cross also. Are so, you going to go? To, are you going to go to the roast this year? I'm not sure. Um, I, I mean, it's, I, I went to uh, Keith DeCanado's uh, last year, and it was a little bit caustic for me. I mean, I may give a few bucks for towards a charity. I don't I don't know if I'm going to do the roast or not. Uh, I'm. We'll we'll see what's going on. Flea, but, r- rumor has it Felicia Day's in on the roast. <laughs> yeah, via movie. I don't think she's not there, of course. But uh, by a video, they're going to she's going to be helping roast Michael J. Friedman. Interesting. Um, so, so uh, but but they'll be but they'll be given back at this convention. Also, it's not. I mean, at these conventions, it is about making money. I mean, there'll be there'll be vendors there selling. 
just you know, if you, so much stuff there you you can you can spend a lot of money on. But there'll be things that'll give back to the community also, which which is great. Well, you know, and and this is I think this is one of the things that I look forward to is just connecting with. I'm hoping to see some of the old people that we ran into last year there and uh, developing yeah. those friendships and talking to them. I'm hoping that Ed and his R2 droid are there again, and some other mm. people that we that we just got to meet and kind of connect to and to build these relationships and uh, take them even further. I'm actually looking forward. I remember we left before the masquerade last year, and I'm actually looking forward to staying this year. I think I'd like to stay and, uh, you know, sacrifice my sleep just to kind of be a part of that atmosphere this year. Yeah, the Saturday, it really took off afterwards. So yeah, it, was, uh, it, was, it was dead for a while, which I think is why we kind of left, but apparently it really picked up. So. Mm-hmm. So we'll have to hang out for that. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. And we obviously look forward to bringing you guys who listen to the Sci-Fi Potter, Potter, Sci-Fi Diner podcast, uh, many of the interviews that we do with the guests and uh, not only the guests but the other people that we meet there and uh, the authors that we meet. And, oh, there's going to be so much goodness there. I can't wait to Short Leaf 32. I can't wait either. And uh, It is less than a month. A, a couple more weeks. Couple more weeks away, uh, listeners. I would just encourage you if you know if you're going to go, let us know somehow. It'd be great to, to meet up with you. Maybe we, we can get a drink or something and just just uh, enjoy a sh- short leave together. Yeah, we realize that this is a Maryland. It takes place in Hunt Valley, Maryland, um, and so if you're an East Coast person, this might be the perfect getaway for you over the summer just to kind of go there. And uh, if you're not, we're going to be trying to share our experience of short leave with you. Well, Miles, I. I, anything else you want to say about Shortly before we move into some of our uh, the people that we're going to chat with? No, I think we, we, we've said enough uh, to, to sort of just what we're, what we're hoping for, looking forward to. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, in a moment here, we're going to be talking with Keith DeCanado, who's going to give us about a 10 to 15 minute talk about Shore Leave and his experience and his thoughts on Shore Leave 32. He's been at Shore Leave for as long as you can remember, right, Miles? Um, yeah, well, he, he, he I, I think. The conventions must employ him because as many conventions as he goes uh, a year, he, he's just at all of them. So, um, but yeah, I think he's been a mainstay at the Shore Leave Convention. There is something else I did want to say. I just remembered if, if any of you have seen, uh, the documentary Trekkies 2, uh, I think they do a real good job of showing where certain Star Trek conventions or sci-fi conventions happen. And there is a, um, they do a, a, a short on, um, uh, shore leave. So, and, and, and the place they hold they held it in today. They, they, they held it, it. They've held it there forever. So um, right. you'll see you'll see you'll see some old footage of shore leave when they when they filmed this. This was back in two thousand six, I believe. Right. I have to see it. I have not seen Trekkies two yet. I'll bring it over to the house sometime. You'll, you'll have to you'll have to share it. And then later on, after we interview Keith the Canada, we are going to be sharing with you an interview with uh, Mike Schilling. And by the way, what I'm going to be doing is just running these interviews back-to-back with maybe a little bit of a break in between. So it won't be much of an introduction, but we'll just run it from Keith Canada into Mike Schilling. Mike Schilling, uh, you and I had the privilege of interviewing last year. Remember that interview, Miles? I, I remember it quite well. Yeah, and it was just good to find out a little bit about the history of Shore Leave. We really just talked about what Shore Leave has to offer, some of the guests that he is looking forward to this year, and what makes Shore Leave such a great con. Mm-hmm. And many of the stuff that we've echoed throughout the past months that we've kind of anticipated this and, and really makes it worth your while. But we're going to be bringing you these, these interviews, and I believe that's about it, Miles. Yeah, let's uh, let's hear the interview. 
So, um, and we aren't going to really wrap up the show. We're going to end the show with the interview with, uh, from Mike Schilling and we'll catch you at episode 67. Beautiful. Beautiful. No animals, no people, no worries. Just what the doctor ordered. <laughs> right, doctor? I couldn't have prescribed better. We are one weary ship. Do you think the captain will authorize a shore leave here? Well, depending upon my report and that of the other scouting parties. You know, you have to see this place to believe it. It's like something out of Adelson Wonderland. The captain has to come down. He'd like it. He needs it. You've got your problems, I've got mine. But he's got ours, plus his, plus 430 other people. Well, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast again. As we mentioned earlier, we have with us Keith R.A. DeCanado, who is an author of many Star Trek novels and also Farscape comics, as well as he's in the throes of a D&D novel. So if you're a D&D fan, you know, love those role-playing games. And uh, this is the man you want to hear. Keith, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, we had him. If, if you go back into some past episodes, not not only did we do an interview with Keith at the, the Farpoint Con, but we also had him on to talk about uh, Farscape. So it was a, a lot of cool times with Keith, and we've kind of gotten to know him. And so he's, I guess that makes him a semi-regular guest or something. I don't know. Semi. Semi or something like that. It makes you a semi. But, yeah. uh, but we have Keith on tonight to talk a little bit about the Shore Leave Con, a place that, that you've been going to for quite some time, Keith. Is that correct? Uh, it's been 10 years now that I've been going regularly. Uh, I've been once in the early 90s, um, back at, back, way back in the early 90s. Uh, I was part of a public access TV show called The Chronic Rift. Uh, and we went to Shore Leave in 1992 and did a whole bunch of interviews with people. We interviewed Major Barrett. We interviewed Mark Leonard. Uh, Diane Duane, Peter Morewood, um, the authors who comprise L.A. Graff, Margaret Wander Bonanno, Michael Jan Friedman, Howard Weinstein. We interviewed all of them. And then um, I started coming back in 2000, which was when I started – when I was, I was first uh, doing Star Trek fiction. Um, I uh, My my first uh, Star Trek work came out in 99 and 2000, uh, the comic book Perchance to Dream and a couple of uh, – an SCE ebook, And – so I went to shore leave for that, and I I haven't missed a shore leave since then. All so. right. So I guess that brings up the question. You know, obviously as an author, it's a, it's a way to meet the fans. But uh, what continues to draw you back to a con like shore leave? Well, there's you know, a bunch of – with shore leave in particular, there's a bunch of things. Um, on a professional level, um, it's a great haven for people who write uh, tie-in fiction in general and Star Trek fiction in particular – um, the guest list includes a large number of, of Star Trek uh, fiction writers, both you know the the regular people who've written a lot of novels, uh, as well as short fiction writers. Um, there have been uh, several of the contributors to the Strange New Worlds anthology that ran from uh, 1997 to 2007 uh, have been regular guests there, and um, and several uh, volumes of Strange New Worlds debuted at Shore Leave over the years, and. Um, and just uh, so from that perspective, you know, there's a lot of people who are fans, in particular, of the Trek fiction. So, uh, so that's that's always nice, and it's a good, it's it's a place, but it's better than almost any other convention for that. Uh, also, just generally, it's you know, it's fun, it's fun to go to as a fan. Um, there's there's uh, also a good number of of guests from various other parts of science fiction, in particular, uh, TV guests as well as science guests. 
Um, I've gotten to meet astronauts. I've gotten to meet actors. I've gotten to meet, you know, other authors. It's, it's been great. Um, it's also a, a very friendly convention. It's, it's not a giant corporate convention like Comic Con in San Diego or, or New York Comic Con or, or even Dragon Con. It's, it's a fan run show. Um, so it's not the, you know, like a creation dog and pony show. And it's not, um, where, you know, everything is, is horribly structured and you have to pay for certain levels of access. Uh, it's just, it's, it's run like a regular old science fiction convention. Um, but it's got the caliber of guests that you will see at a Dragon Con or a creation show or something like that. So, um, it's, 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 there, there's something for everyone there. And then on, an, on other levels for me, um, I'm also there as a musician. Uh, the band that I play with is called Boogie Nights. Uh, I play percussion for them. They're a parody band. And the Boogie Nights actually got their start at Shoreleaf back in 1982. I didn't join until 2006. But uh, Shoreleaf is basically the home convention for the band. And so we play there every year, at least one concert, sometimes two or three. And um, so that's that's always getting out. The Boogie Nights are one of the, the featured guests at Shoreleaf every year. So Boogie uh, Nights has been around like 25 years almost. More than that now. Yeah, actually. more than that. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we, we, in fact, did our 25th anniversary show at Shoreleaf in 2007. Wow. Wow. I didn't, and, yeah. and of course, and so the, the nature of the band allows the members to consistently change. Is, is, there, is there anyone yeah, that's there's been, only, there's only There's only two people who are still in the band who were part of the group in 1982. And, in fact, there's a current member of the band who wasn't born yet when the band was formed. <laughs> <laughs> Boy. Oh man! But that now that happens with groups that last a while. I just I recently saw a Jethro Tull concert, and there's only you know Ian Anderson is the only person who's been with the group consistently since the very beginning, you know. And there's there's a couple of members of the band who were children when when or infants when the band was first formed, you know. So that that it happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it happens. Well, that's what you say. It's a parody band. What what, what do you guys parody? Uh, anything really. Uh, our the the songs we parody range from top forty hits to more traditional folk numbers. Um. You know, to to you know, all sorts of different things. The, the, the songs we parodied range "Live in La Vida Loca" to "My Sharona" to "House of the Rising Sun" to "Hotel California" to um, uh, "Donald Wears Your Trousers," uh, "Wild Rover." You know, you name it, we'll parody it. Right. Usually, the parody is with some sort of fantasy, horror, or historical bent. Okay. Uh, well, very, very cool. So, I, you know, again, what, there's, many, there's many reasons why you go to Shoreleaf then. And there's an additional one that just started uh, last year. Uh, we started a tradition, and I was, I was at the forefront of the <laughs> yeah, started, As we know. <laughs> started doing a, a comedy roast for charity um, in the style of, of, you know, the Comedy Central and Friars Club roasts. Uh, and I was the first victim. Uh, they roasted me last year. Uh, we, that, that's uh, an event that's on Friday night. This year we're going to be roasting Michael Jan Friedman. Right, uh, and that, and it's done to raise money for the Red Cross. We raised about a thousand dollars last year, and we're hoping to double that this year. And I mean, and, and, and you know, you look at the times we're in with you know with the economy and all that, and you know the fact that even last year was a downturn in the economy, and people were still yeah. opening up their pockets to give to charity through stuff like yeah. this. And I Which think, was nice. and, and I think that's one of the things I commented with Mike Schilling when we interviewed him was one of the things that impressed me about Short Leave is you know. Every other group seemed to be doing something for charity. And so while obviously people are there because of their love of science fiction, it's not yeah. an entirely self-indulgent, self-serving thing. I mean, they are thinking beyond themselves. And I think that mm-hmm. that's what makes a con maybe – I don't know if other cons like this, but I know that Shoreleave especially hit me as being a con that seems to be very charity-driven in, in, in one respect. Yeah, it is. And there's always a blood drive at Shoreleave as well. 
Um, right. And uh, they, they've also been doing some, some stuff to try to benefit uh, – Leukemia and lymphoma, which was particularly the result of, of one person who'd literally been going to shore leave all his life, uh, Robbie Greenberger, who's the son of uh, Star Trek novelist uh, Bob Greenberger. Uh, he died a couple of, a while back from, from leukemia at the way too young age of 20. He literally had been going to shore leave all his life. Hmm. Um, and uh, so it's uh, that, that there's been more you know charity toward that. And like I said, there's always a blood drive, and the Red Cross is their charity of choice, which is why it was chosen for the roast. Right. Uh, as as the charity of choice. So how did it feel um, to be roasted? Is also, and, and speaking of the, the economy, one thing Shirley is, is also, you know, tries to keep costs down. I mean, it, it's, you know, I, I mentioned creation before. It's always incredibly expensive to go to a creation show. Um, so what, is, what, is creation, what does creation cost? cost? Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head, but you can, um, cause I, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of the guests, so. I, right, right, so, you know. Um, but it's, it's, a, you can find out on the website. Right. It's, it's short, short-leave.com. Right. Um, I didn't know of how much creation costs in comparison, which. Oh, uh, much more. Much more. Uh, okay. Creation, the cheapest is usually like 80 bucks and it goes up from there. Um, you know, and, and there's, like I said, there's different levels of access plus, um, the the actors usually charge something. One nice thing this year is they they did it with Edward James almost who usually charges top dollar for his autograph. But uh, if you go to Shirley, it's actually cheaper than it would be in another show. Uh, Shirley basically is absorbing the extra cost, which um, is is you know basically to help to help out the people who go. You know. Yeah. Well, now so so you've been going for the con to the con for the past ten years. Any real memorable things that happened at the con over the past ten oh, years? Tons. Con- um, <laughs> for, start, for starters. Um, uh, you know, uh, hanging out in the bar of Shirley is always fun. It's usually, you know, occasionally the actors will wander in, but there's also usually like one corner that's taken up entirely by Star Trek novelists. Um, we've actually like come up with weird plot notions, uh, while in that bar. Um, uh, including actually, um, I, I was the editor of the Starfleet Corps of Engineers series, which was a monthly ebook series. And, um, we, there was one major plot development that actually had an impact on the entire series that we came up with in the bar. <laughs> oh, nice. Uh, there, uh, every year, one of the other, there are other traditions that, that happen every year, like, um, Peter David, Michael Jen Friedman, and Bob Greenberger do what's called Mystery Trekkie Theater 3000, which is exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's the three of them, uh, Sitting uh, silhouetted over a movie screen, showing a particularly bad episode of, of one of the Star Trek series, and them doing commentary on it, um, complete with an opening skit ahead of time. That used to be the Sunday morning thing. It's actually become now the traditional closing act of Shore Leave. Um, there's all, the masquerade is always fantastic, and there have been some amazing entrants, um, including one particularly memorable one where a group came out as stormtroopers and one as Darth Vader and proceeded to do the Macarena to the theme of the Imperial Death March. Oh, nice. And it works. Yeah. Uh, that's not, that's not a staple of, of the Friday night dance. Um, and, uh, what else? The, uh, what else have we done? There's, there's, um, well, it was one year, <laughs> there was one year when James Marsters, was one of the guests. Okay. And that year, it wasn't just Shore Leave. There were two separate conventions going on. There was Shore Leave, and then there was what we were jokingly referring to as Spike Con, because there were a ton of people, maybe, you know, a quarter of the attendees, if not a third, 
who were solely there, had never been to Shirley before, but they were there to see James Marsters. And that was their only reason for being there. Now, some of them actually, like, enjoyed themselves and would actually come back the next year. But it was really hilarious that there were basically no... Uh, there were there were a whole subsection of the convention that was solely there just to see James Marsters and do nothing else. Wow. Uh, wow. So, yeah, um, and and, uh, and he continues to pop his head up ever so often, but yeah, but uh, yeah. I, so there was there, there were there were some others. There was one year Christopher Judge was here, um, and he actually got the crowd to regularly all in and say hi to whoever came up to the microphone. Um, nice. One time when Jerry Doyle was there and he gave out his phone number to the entire room because he wanted to give it to one particular young woman who he thought was cute. Um, <laughs> he, 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 as soon as he said it, he realized I probably shouldn't have done that. And I'm sure he changed his number within the hour. <laughs> but everybody was writing it down. Oh, um, man. Yeah, you know, we've had, we've had all sorts. It's, it's always been a wonderful uh, convention and right. a lot of fun. And, and very relaxed, you know. Um, that's that's I think one of the best things about it is that that it's everybody's there to have fun. I think one and, of the things that I one of the things that stick out to me, like from last year, um, is that you know uh, you you run because of the con it's not a huge con. I mean, on any given yeah. con day, you know, anywhere from a thousand to two thousand people. Uh, two thousand on a really good day, and including volunteers, one thousand on a light day. Um, yeah. You really, uh, you really get to see people, and if if you if you're if you're following a track or you have certain interests, you you end up bumping into the same people, and <laughs> yeah. uh, and you get to strike up conversations, you get to know these people. Not only that, but a lot of these people come back year after year. Oh yeah, um, I mentioned Robbie Greenberger, who is one of many examples of people who have grown up going to Shirley. You know, people who were who who started going as infants with their parents and now are regulars themselves. Um, you know, there really is a sense of, of, of family there that, you know, the, cause there's a lot of regular attendees who, who come back every year and who get, you know, sometimes only see each other at shore leave, but, um, there's, there's a real sense of community and family there that that's really wonderful. Hmm. Well, very cool. So what are you looking forward to about shore leave this year? Uh, definitely looking forward to the roast. Yeah. Um, uh, that last year was sort of a test drive and also i'm not on the hot seat this year so. yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and we 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 made a lot of mistakes last year the typical first time mistakes and and i think this year we're really um we, we we've learned from them and so this year we're going to make newer and more interesting mistakes um and uh but it's gonna it, it's gonna be a lot of fun we got some really good stuff um uh dave mack is the person who who produces the roast and he's just done an amazing job and i and i think everybody's really gonna have a great time and hopefully we'll raise a lot of money for the red cross too uh yeah obviously obviously so if you go it's important that people stay up late it sounds like a lot of stuff's happening late uh yeah and and it's and it's good to stay to the end because you get to see like I said you get to see Mystery Trekkie Theater which is uh like 5 or 6 o'clock on Sunday afternoon it's 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 what ends the convention right uh, um and and I it's I I strongly recommend it Well, very cool well uh, anything else uh, where can people go to find out more about you Keith about me they can uh go to uh, my website at decendido.net uh have you, have you updated that sucker yet not really, but no. uh, <laughs> it, it needs to be updated. But that at least has links to the things I do update, which are my blog on LiveJournal uh, under the username of Cratical, 
K-R-A-D-I-C-A-L. Uh, and I'm also on Facebook and Twitter, both under the name Kradek, K-R-A-D-E-C. Uh, and all, those are all linked from the front page of, of decandido.net. So that's sort of your one-stop shopping for where to see me blather online. Um, and I regularly post stuff on my blog, like uh, previews of the Farscape comics as they're coming out. Uh, and, you know, my progress on writing the D&D novel and my ramblings on any number of subjects. Uh, <laughs> by the way, I mentioned um, the Chronic Rift at, at, the, at the beginning of the interview. Uh, the Chronic Rift has since been revived as a podcast. And that's another thing that, that has also uh, we've done at Shoreleaf is um, uh, last year we, we, did, uh, we did a panel discussion f- live from Shoreleaf. Uh, Greg Cox, myself, and Karen Car- Mitchell Carruthers did uh, a discussion on the new Star Trek film. Right. Um, I don't know if anything like that is planned this year, but but in general, uh, Shoreleaf has been a very you know useful place to like get interviews and, and do discussions and things uh, for the podcast as well. Right, so. right. So you can check out Chronic Rift if you want to hear more of you, right? Yeah, I do. I, uh, I, in addition to interviews, I do a regular TV review segment called Couch Potato Salad uh, on the Chronic Rift, and you can learn more about that at chronicrift.com. Yeah, and you have a zombie podcast. You do a story, a story. Uh, I'm part of it. There's a. Uh, it's called HG World, uh, which is a wonderful ongoing story. It's an audio drama, really, um, post apocalyptic storyline involving um, uh, the the zombie, you know, the zombie apocalypse, uh, focused on a um, a small town in western Pennsylvania in the Algonquin Valley. And my character is Todd Rage, who is an elderly Vietnam veteran right-wing radio show host nice. who um, currently lives at the top of a mountain where he broadcasts his AM radio station, uh, giving people updates on, on what's going on, basically sort of being the voice of the valley, which was his role before the zombie apocalypse, but it's taken on a much more critical role now. He's basically, you know, the, the, the lone voice out there communicating uh, news to people. Right, right. Well, very he cool. Sort of serves as the, he sort of serves as the Greek chorus for the show in a lot of ways. Well, very nice. Well, thanks, Keith, for coming on and uh, no sharing problem. your thoughts on Shore Leave here. And we look forward to seeing you in less than a month now. Yes. Uh, that'll be coming up and uh, maybe hanging out and chatting with you a little bit there. And That'd if you want to find out more, please visit Keith's site. You can always find out more about Keith. He has a little name somewhere on the, the Shore Leave site somewhere. Again, yeah. shoreleave-leave.com to actually find that and find all the guests there. And we have a lot of good guests coming this year as well. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks, awesome. a lot. Uh, thanks a lot, Keith, for joining us. And, uh, no and uh, enjoy your evening. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye. Captain's log, stardate 3025.8. A planet which seems to be paradise is chosen for a shore leave. But things of fantasy, which are undeniably real, suddenly appear. Sulu! Enjoy yourself, Captain. It's an interesting planet. I believe you'll find it quite pleasant. You'll have no problems. I swear I heard someone moving around. Don't talk like that. Welcome back to the Sci-Fi Donner Podcast. 
With me today as we are getting ready, as Miles and I are getting ready to head to Shoreleave 32, we have none other than Mike Schilling, Head of Publicity and Media Relations for Shoreleave 32. Now, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, we had him on the show about a year ago. Oh, somewhere around episode 20. We are now at episode 64, 65 here. So quite a few episodes ago. But we are happy to have him back and talking about this year's Shore Leave 32. Welcome to the show, Mike. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. Yeah, you know, Shore Leave was really a defining moment for the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. And the reason why is because it was after our experience at Shore Leave that we decided to go with a, a news and interview format. So a lot of the interviews that we had with the guests at Shore Leave appeared as some of our earliest interviews. So, so it was really a, really a cool, a really defining moment for us at the Sci-Fi Diner. Well, we're very, very glad at Shore Leave that it worked out so well for you. Hell yeah, we had a we had a great time last year. And as I was mentioning a little bit earlier before we started recording, that Shore Leave was re- officially the the first con I was ever at. So it now, was like, I, actually, I find that rather hard to believe, considering your obvious love for the genre and everything. <laughs> it's not surprising that you had not availed yourself, if not necessarily of Shore Leave, which is a you know a rather smallish regionalized convention. You know, at least one of the larger, better-known science fiction and horror conventions, like, say, a Dragon Con or the World Cons or, you know, convention, you know, conventions created by, you know, creation and large ones like that. So that is a little surprising. Yeah, you know, Miles, it, Miles is a, is really the uh, the con guru, I guess, if you want to say. He's been to some of the larger ones like creation and um and so forth. I've had to, uh, since then. I've had a lot of podcasters trying to get me to come to like Dragon Con, or maybe New York Comic Con, or even San Diego. And oh man, I just haven't made it to any of them yet. But I've been to a few other cons since Shortly, but but uh, Shortly was my first. So, and it was a good experience, a great experience uh, at Shortly last year. So it was uh, very cool. And, well, uh, we're very glad. Yeah. So tell me, even though you're the one doing the interview here. I'm going to switch around on you a little bit. Go ahead. Uh, what did, I'm going to switch around on you a little bit, if I may. Sure. What did you like most about it? What made Short Leave such a special experience? You know what? Um, I think it was my first. And so I, you walk into any con, if you've never been to a con, you kind of walk in with all sorts of ideas of what a con might be like. I mean, you've heard the reports. Maybe you followed them on the on the news and you see the fandom that surrounds some of them, the people dressing up. And there was certainly that at Shore Leave. I think one of the things that surprised me about Shore Leave, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later, was how charity-focused uh, a lot of the events are and a lot of the groups that will set up booths and, and will have uh, different activities for are doing it uh, to raise money for charity. And um, it's not something I necessarily – had again, this is my naivety showing here, but I just didn't see that in, when I when I saw the whole fan world. I always thought, well, this is a time where fans go to meet the actors, meet the the people to dress up and act a little bit crazy. Uh, but you know, not, not not necessarily something that I would have put charity and and the con together. And so it was very, it was a very one of the very cool things about Shore Leave, at least, and I saw it at Farpoint and some others, is that. There tends to be a huge drive with the charity. Now that may that may be something that is maybe most notable with 
the fan-run cons, maybe more so than Wizard World or Creation, Miles would be able to comment on that a little bit more than I can. But but I thought that was a very cool thing. And also, because it's, I think, a smaller con, not a huge con, uh, there's a lot more uh, guest guest and, um, you know, the regular con-goer interaction. And so I like that. I like I like the ability to do that. I met some beautiful people there and some people we've connected with and have continued to connect with uh, without the year. We met Dayton Ward there and um, mm-hmm. Calvin Gilmore. writer contributors. Oh, yeah. And, and, we have, uh, and we've, we've interviewed them at various times throughout since the con and just hooked up with them. Miracle Laurie, who you had last year, we had connected with her again uh, toward the end of Dollhouse. So. Oh, she was extremely popular. She did very well there. See, one thing, and there are several things that you touched on that I'm, I take a great deal of pride in, and all of us in the Shorty Committee take a great deal of pride in, is one, that we are very charity-oriented. One thing you're going to find, if you've been to 30 Shorleys or if this would, might be your first one, okay, talking directly to all the folks out there who will be listening to this uh, recording, is that no matter how the economy is year to year, Shorely has always been a very, very generous group of people. Um, there are always a certain number of, of charities there. Certain things are new, some things we've been doing for years, like the Red Cross Blood Drive, for example, we've been doing for many, many years. The, um, the Comedy Roast is always in its, just really in its second year. Um, you know, so there's always been a large number of, of various, you know, charitable events taking place there, and they've always done extremely well. And even in really bad economic times, such as we're in right now, And I'm extremely proud of that. And I also like what you said about connecting with people. You see, a lot of people ask me, not just in my capacity as head of publicity, but also just as a, well, quite frankly, a Star Trek geek. Um, What is it about Shoreleaf that makes it so special? How would you describe it in just a sense or two? And my answer basically is try to imagine a party for a couple thousand of your closest friends. And they all like most of the same things you do. They all generally like science fiction and fantasy, some in different, you know, forms than others. Some are more creative than others, you know, but that's what makes it so comfortable. And also, also like you said, it's a situation where it isn't a humongous, you know, national convention. Heck, there, there are, for example, anime conventions that take place in Baltimore pretty much every year at our convention center downtown. Maybe some of your, you know, um, your regulars uh, might know it and everything. Well, they've been known to draw 20,000, 30,000 people to these conventions, just massive get-togethers. Like for anybody who's been to a Worldcon or a Dragon Con, these things are huge. Right. And that's, that's very impressive, and <laughs> we say, hey, good luck to you, you know. But to be honest, when you have something that big, you lose something. You might have the biggest guests and everything and you know, be very impressive with the sheer scale of it, but you lose the personal element. When you have a convention such as ours, which is only really built, according to the size of the hotel, to take, you know, officially like 1,500 or so people in there at one time, okay, um, you can still have what you would call a good crowd. You can still fill a room. You can, you know, feel that vibe. But it's not so big that you can't still talk to people, that you can, you know, mill about, see different things, and, and meet different people, and just find a quiet corner and just talk to somebody. It could be somebody that you just met, or it could be somebody that you've known for years that you only see at a convention. So the personal element is extremely important at a convention such as ours. I cannot really speak 
if this is really the case with um, more professional conventions. But I do know that with um, fan-driven conventions, especially ours, it's something that we take a great deal of, of pride in, something that I, that I feel makes us very, very special. And that was one of the things that I noticed last year, too, is you meet people on Friday night maybe sitting in a session or just uh, just kind of milling about, and then you see them again. You, you see the same people in maybe some of the same types of sessions or in the same types of areas, and soon you just – Begin to, there are lots of people I connected to from from Georgia and from you know, from all over the East Coast that 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 I connected with because I saw them again and again. And in a larger con, you lose some of that. You certainly lose some of the, um, I guess, if you call two thousand people intimate. I mean, how how large was Shore Lead last year? How many people came? Do you know? Well, I don't have exact figures. We didn't really hit. <clears throat> pardon me. Um, we didn't really hit sellout levels or anything, although we, cl- we came close on Saturday. But the hotel is only really designed to take approximately 1,500 people at any one time. Now, if you count all the helpers and all the staff and all the guests and their entourages, you would say maybe 2,000 people maximum as far as everybody for the entire weekend. Not all those 2,000 will be in the hotel at any one particular time. Some people just do single days. Some people do the whole weekend. Some people leave for a while and come back. So I would say generally between 1,500 to 2,000 for a packed house. And then there are some years where we might only get to about, say, 1,000 or so. So, But when you fill up our big um, ballrooms, you know, for our, our main guest speakers and all, Mm-hmm. It can really seem like a lot more than that. Go, oh, what a crowd, you know? Right, right. But it's really based on the percentage of how full that particular hotel is. Right. Now, if you rent out a hotel for a convention that's like an airplane hangar, and I have seen conventions in the past where it's literally a one tiny section of a convention center or an airplane hangar, wow, this looks small because you're taking up such a small percentage of this massive structure. Right. But the Marriott Hunt Valley Inn, where we've been going to 98% of the time for the last 32 years, is like a second home to us. That's the size of it. We're very much set up for the you know, size of the convention. It goes around the size of the hotel. You know, so we, you know, we consider that a, a good crowd. You know, like I say, it's a situation where you can have – a large number of people, and yet not so many people that you can't just, you know, spread out and talk and, and make some friends and reacquaint yourself with some old friends and everything. And before you know it, and especially with the world being the way it is now with Facebook and Twitter and all that and all this social media, you'll find yourself realizing, hey, I know this guy off of this system, or I know this lady, or before you know it, you're exchanging emails and you know, Twitter accounts, before you know it, you've made a whole bunch of friends you didn't know you had. Right, right. You know, and that's so, you know, notwithstanding all the things that we have to offer as far as programming, the social element can be every bit as much important for many people. Yeah, and, and, and I totally agree with that. It's one of the things that, again, that I noticed just interacting through the different sessions I was at and with the different people. There were some real good connections that that I took from from the con and continued, that have continued to be relationships that I built and you know, I'm kind of coming home to family in a sense this year when we come uh-huh. to Shore Leave. Uh, so I, right. I do, I do, I, I like that a lot. So totally, uh, totally into that. You know, and, and, you know, when we say it's intimate, it's, it's smaller. It's certainly, you know, 2,000 people, if you can call that intimate, right? But it's still a small con and a great place to certainly meet people of like mind, interested in the same things. And, uh, 
And it's a very, very cool vibe. Last year tended to be very focused on uh, the newest Star Trek film that had come out, Star Trek Eleven. Um, are we going to see a Are we going to see a focus on that this year, or is it going to be kind of more muted now that the movie's been out a year? Well, we don't really know those things until the programming really takes shape. And the actual programming schedule, which, by the way, will be put up on our official website probably in the last week, 10 days before the convention, right. those things tend to come together literally at the last minute because a lot of those little tiny pieces of our programming tracks tend to come in late. But um, I do know there will probably be still a lot of group discussions about Trek going on into the future, how you feel about the most recent film and what they might do about the next one. It won't be the center of conversation like it was last year because at Shortly 31, of course, the film was basically still running and it was just the, the number one thing to talk about. Right. In fact, in my opinion, it provided more energy overall to the convention than any science fiction event probably in the last 10 years. Because here was this new Star Trek product that everybody was, you know, the vast majority were extremely thrilled about, and it provided a lot of extra energy. It's kind of hard to quantify over the phone, but to those who have been to such conventions for many years, some years there's more energy than others. You know, Sometimes there's more of a buzz in the crowd right. than others. This might come from a particular film or TV series that's hot at the time. This might come from a particular issue. It might come from the particular, particularly exciting guest star that's there, you know. So even though I don't think that will be the center of the convention this year, I'm sure there will still be plenty of discussion about it. Mm-hmm. You see, over the course of years, Star Trek, Shortly was originally created, of course, as a Star Trek convention. And I, right. I think I probably covered this ground last year. But over the course of time, you know, Trek kind of faded for, you know, from view for a little bit, okay? It was a little bit more of a background thing. And as, as time went on, we decided to diversify ourselves. So over the course of the many years Shortly has been in existence, we have tried to have guests from other science fiction and other genre television series that are popular at the time, okay? Mm-hmm. And that, one, is a business decision to bring people in who are fairly new to conventions to say, oh, that's just for Star Trek. I'm not into Star Trek, right? And then there's the other way, from more of a social standpoint, well, people want to see somebody new, right? And so let's say 10 years ago, what would we have been drawing in? We would have got guests from, say, Deep Space Nine or Voyager. Um, when Babylon 5 was running, we were getting the guests from that show, for example. You know, uh, We've even had guests from Buffy. Not a whole lot, but there have been some very popular guests from Buffy when that, when that show was the height of its popularity. You know, mm-hmm. When X-Files was big. That don't sound much like a shore label kind of an audience, but there's a lot of discussion of X-Files for a while. You know, so shows that are popular now are going to get a lot of, you know, attention at the time. For example, besides, you know, the old standby, the various forms of Star Trek now through the years, we tend to draw guests uh, from the new Battlestar Galactica, Stargate. Last year was a particularly heavy Stargate year. It wasn't planned out that way. It's just the guests that wound up showing up and everything. Right. Most of them tended to be Stargate people. So if you were in the Stargate SG-1, last year, last year must have been like heaven for a lot of folks, if you were into that. Um, you know, so there, there's any number of, you know, of series that are covered at that one particular time. What is what is popular over the time, or somebody that came into a series years ago that folks haven't seen for a long time. So we always try to give people a variety, not just in terms of the programming choices, but also in the types of guests that we have. 
Mm-hmm. Well, and this year is no different. I mean, I'm looking at this spread of guests before me, and you have, you have two from BSG, from Battlestar Galactica, two from Stargate, two from Star Trek. I mean, you, you kind of are are spreading out here with the guests this year, and some really uh, some really good name, big names. And I, I got to admit, and like I say, I can't take any credit for that because there are other folks in the committee who are in charge of obtaining the guests and getting them to sign agreements with us and all, but. But I have to tell you, um, I am extremely pleased, not just a member of the committee, but also just as a convention regular at our guest list this year. You know, we have such a variety of folks and, and good names from, from different shows and everything. I know it's an old hackneyed saying, a little something for everybody, but this year we've got it. Yeah, you definitely do. Definitely do. We don't have any last-minute cancellations. I'm extremely pleased. I mean, look at the top of that list, and I probably should have printed out one of our flyers as I speak to you right now. Right. <laughs> but I can do a lot of this from memory anyway because I, I look at it online so much keep up to date right. in my capacity and everything. But look at that first name on there, Edward James Olmos. Oh, man. I mean, when I heard that we got him, I almost couldn't believe my eyes. You know, there is a certain stigma that actors of a certain distinction do not do conventions. Right. You know, of, of a certain reputation. And Edward James almost is a, is a major leading man. He is. You know, a highly respected leading man, you know, and you wouldn't figure he'd be doing conventions. Not that there's anything wrong with doing conventions. Like I said before, a lot of people in the general public would say, you know, what's somebody that big doing a convention? So that's a big name yeah. right there. So we are very honored and thrilled to have uh, Edward James almost with us. I mean, name something, he's done it. You know, Selena, Blade Runner, oh, man. Of course, he's the Adama and the current uh, Battlestar Galactica and everything. So he, he has done so much. And, of course, Katie Sackhoff. And believe it or not, um, she actually has been the one that people have been asking for the most in terms of interviews. Oh, really? Katie, Katie Sackhoff, you know, I guess being an attractive young lady probably has a lot to do with it, no doubt. But uh, everybody seems to be asking for her. Everybody wants to talk to Katie Sackhoff, so hopefully she'll be arriving in town a little early so we can accommodate her for all these interviews people want to do. So, you know, people are asking like crazy about her. Um, Like I say, I didn't know if this at the point of the interview where you wanted me to go over to guest list, but I can't. Oh, that's fine. We can do that that now, certainly, and uh, that works. I know I... uh, um Oh, I'm going to edit this out, but uh, is it Kat that's still in charge of the interviews? Or mm-hmm. that? Okay, yeah. Yes, yeah. She's, uh, her title is uh, Guest Relations Coordinator. Yeah. I know I emailed her. I haven't, I haven't heard back from her yet. but Right, and she's out in, in California and everything. So, of course, that made it a lot easier for her now, now that she lives and works out there. It's a lot easier to get a hold of these guests from right. her vantage point, right. so it yeah. works well for her. Um so, of course, there's the first two I already mentioned. And then from the Stargate universe, you have Tori Higginson and Bill Dow. And I right. believe both of those actors have appeared in pretty much all three Stargate series. I call it um, – I know Stargate Universe is the name of one show. But I, when I say Stargate Universe, I mean the cornucopia of different Stargate series there seems to be out there. Right. There's so many versions. It's like CSI. You know, you just can't keep track of them all. Right, right. Um, so they are well-known throughout all of those series. Yeah. Um, then you have from the, you know, the world of Star Trek, you have Dominic Keating you know, from uh, Enterprise, Lieutenant Malcolm Reed, and um, Catherine Hicks, Dr. Jillian Taylor in Star Trek IV The Voyage Home, and was also extremely popular in the uh, series Seventh Heaven with another Star Trek alum, Stephen Collins. Remember that show from years ago? Oh, yes. 
So she was very popular on that. She's also well-known in horror circles from appearing in the first Child's Play movie, you know, the Chucky the Living Evil Doll, you know. So for those of the horror persuasion, you know, they know her as well. So I'm really personally looking forward to meeting her. And then also there's the ever-popular Kevin Sorbo, who we've been looking to appear for many years now. Uh, Of course, Hercules, The Legendary Journeys, and Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. Right. Always a very, very popular actor. Yeah, we, we, so he, was, he was supposed to be as well. He was supposed to be there last year, right? And uh, had a conflict at the last minute. Exactly. Unfortunately, when you're in the convention business, you run this risk all the time. Now, knock on wood, okay, we have not had any yet, okay? All the names you see on that flyer, all the names you see on shoreleave.com, you know, all those names as of right now are still with us. What happens a lot of times is, and really we have no control over this, is if an actor is shooting a television series and the shooting schedule is different than when we made this agreement with them, naturally the series is going to take precedent and they can't make the journey. Or in some cases, like with Kevin Sorbo or other actors in past years, they'll get a movie offer. And I'm not going to disclose how much we pay them, but let's just say that the uh, contract for doing a film is a lot more than what we can afford to pay oh, for sure. a personal appearance. So naturally, they're going to take the film offer. And so they're, if they're off shooting a movie in another country, they're not going to be at the convention. And it disappoints a lot of people, and all the press has already gone out, and everybody's already made these you know, plans to meet these actors. And then, you know, that's why it says in the small print, subject to professional commitments. But up to this point, we haven't had any. So I hope I didn't just jinx it by saying right, right, right. <laughs> Knock on wood, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> no, it's uh, and and this is certainly an excellent lineup. And as we said earlier, there is literally, you know, something for everyone here, and even some, you know, Dominic Keating. I'm looking at his. Besides Enterprise, he was on Buffy. He was on uh, Heroes, and these are all uh-huh. other shows that people are very interested in as well. So, some a really good guest list. Um, and then if you look at the in the smaller print beneath the main guests. And again, not everybody's into this, but surely also has a lot of writers every year. Right. Okay. Genre writers, people who do science fiction and fantasy writing, some that are well known to the general public, some not so well known. Um, the ones who have been coming the most years, as far as going the furthest back, are names like uh, Robert Greenberger, Michael Jan Friedman. Howard Weinstein, who, you know, those who have a long background with Star Trek know that he wrote an episode of the animated Star Trek series when he was 19 years old. Wow. Parts of Orion. So his, I don't give you some idea how long he's been doing this for a living, you know. And then, of course, Peter David, the always extremely popular Peter David. Um, he's been coming with us for many, many years now. So that's only just a few of them. And then, of course, this year's uh, Rose Dee at the uh, comedy roast, Mr. Michael Jan Friedman, an extremely popular, interesting man. Um, But if you look at that list, you'll see, oh, I don't know, 20, 30 or more writers in there. I'm getting a little bit of background here. Am I um, am I coming through all right? You are coming through beautifully. I don't hear any uh, noise coming through the recording, so I should be good from this end. Okay, I'm getting a little echo for for some reason, a little backlash. As long as I'm coming through, okay, that's fine. You'll be fine. uh, let's see here. So there's a lot of writers, as as you know. So for those who really enjoy the literary aspect of science fiction and fantasy, 
you know, you can spend most of your weekend literally just meeting these different writers and getting their autographs. And some of them will spend time in these small panel rooms doing little readings and everything. I mean, it's not literary the way, say, a Balticon is, you know, or, or a Worldcon. It's right. not our main focus, but the element of that is also there, okay? And we also have artists, okay? Artists in terms of people who contribute things to our art show, okay? Right. And there are artisans that fly their craft in our masquerade. That's the term we use for our huge costume contest on Saturday night every year around 8 o'clock. We call it masquerade. Okay? And some right. other people have called it costume call, but it's the same thing. Okay? So by that I mean artisans, people who apply their individual talents you know, to, to show their love for, for Star Trek or other co- forms of science fiction. Okay? And also, some that I feel is unique to Shore Leave is we bring in a lot of scientists. Okay. Right. We we bring in scientists from the Hubble Space Telescope Institute, uh, from the Goddard Space Flight Center down in Greenbelt, Maryland. Sometimes the um, Johnson Space Flight Center. Okay. And these folks come in and they basically give one-hour presentations, usually on Friday or Sunday in most cases, about the latest in astronomical discoveries. So, for folks who have been coming to Shirley for a while. Uh, folks will soon realize that the folks who come to Shore Leave in most cases aren't necessarily just into the fantasy aspect of science, but they're interested in science fact, too. Okay? Mm-hmm. So in other words, a very educated audience. Right. And they want to know what the latest thing is from the final frontier. And these are actual scientists talking about and showing pictures of what has been discovered, you know, what is being planned for the future and everything. And again, that's another little element that uh, that we're very very proud of. So, again, uh, something a little something for everybody. I mean, on a, a Saturday, for example, we could easily have what I, I call them tracks, individual tracks of programming. Easily ten different tracks or more going at the same time. Easy, right, right. You know, so for those who you know pay their good money for the uh, memberships and everything, you know, you will actually what I tell folks to do who aren't used to this. Find a corner as soon as you get your schedule in your program book. Find a corner somewhere to sit down, all right, and go through that pocket program and plan your weekend out. And yeah. you're going to find a lot of cases where all those two, three things are happening at the same time. I wish there was two or three of me. <laughs> right, right. You know? Right. So that's what folks need to do. For those of you listening to this who, you know, might be doing this for the first or the second time, get that schedule or even better, before the weekend starts, go online, find the schedule on there. They usually post it in the last week, and circle things that you want to do. It'll make it easier for you. Right, right. You know, one of the things that I that you kind of you hit on in the different tracks is not only do you have a lot of these authors coming, but many of the authors are also teaching like how to sessions. You know, as far as writing goes, uh, yes, especially we call them workshops. Yeah, so the the workshop sessions where people are you know, they're giving advice on the industry, giving advice on writing. Um, and I know as a writer, I've done a little bit of writing in the past, not so much uh, right now. But one of the things that I was very interested in when I would write a story is what is the science behind? What's going on in the science world? And so that's a place that almost the writing and the science track kind of mesh because you need to ground your stories in reality, at least in my opinion at least in some reality, and be aware of what's currently going on in order to write your your, your science fiction or write your uh, fantasy piece. So I think that there's... Exactly. I, I think that there's, that's another 
option that we have right there. There are things called uh, workshops, like you just said. And these workshops, in most cases, are free of charge. Now, you right. do have to let, you know, write down somewhere, you know, when you pre-register, when you arrive at the convention, nor do you have to take a space. There's only a certain limited amount of space available. Right. But in many cases, it'll either be, you know, some of our regular contributing writers, like your, your Howard Weinsteins, Bob Greenbergers, Michael Jan Friedman, uh, Ann Crispin, for example, has been coming on and off for many, many years. And she will do these um, generally free workshops. And it's, I think it's built for maybe, say, no more than 10 to 20 people. So it's a small gathering. And they'll talk about the basics of writing or how to get a script approved or how to get an agent and things like that. And uh, they've always been, you know, very, very popular. And then there are other workshops which aren't exactly um, writing-oriented. For example, you have, like, one, and, again, there's probably going to be more added in the final month before the convention, but uh, there's ones like how to uh, put together a beautiful model kit or uh, stargazing, which they do for free out in the tennis courts every summer. Right. You know, stargazing, that's, that's for free. So there's always a handful, you know. Somebody might be doing, say, a sign language workshop, because we usually have one or two people signing for our hearing-impaired uh, visitors and everything when mm -hmm. a guest is on stage. Right. And that particular person who has this skill might give a workshop. I don't know if they're doing it this year, but they usually do, you know. So, again, just another uh, option. Right, you know? right. You know, and and if you're jumping from uh, session to session, there's always times that you may need a little bit of break, and you always have the gaming that goes on the the tabletop gaming uh, that happens, and as well as some of the films that you show throughout the convention as well. Gaming goes on the entire weekend. I mean, especially on Friday and Saturday night. I mean, if you have the energy, they've been known to keep that thing rocking all night long. <laughs> Stay awake. So that that gaming center for some, especially for some of our younger attendees, folks in their, you know, teens and twenties or something, who are really into that. Of course, folks from all ages, but especially the younger folks, they might just hang out in there and say, "What happened to my teenage son? Oh, he's been in the gaming room for the last thirty six hours." I mean, <laughs> you know, I've seen that happen. Um, then other choices include, like I say, the video presentations. Now, years ago, we used to, and I used to run the video department before I moved over to publicity. And we would literally have a, um, a little room with chairs set up, and we would watch classic Trek episodes or various TV shows and movies that our guest stars in them and all. But um, it's a little bit different now, okay? Only part of the day is for video in those rooms now. We have another um, track that's on our website called the Alternative Film Festival, and that's just a fancy term basically for a lot of the what we call fan films right. that are out there right now. For those of you out there who have ever heard of, let's say, Star Trek Phase 2 or New Voyages, they, they changed their name, right. um, or the uh, USS Exeter, or any of these um, ships, for example, the, these groups of fans who have gotten together and shoot their own films. And for those of you who have never seen any of these, I've got to tell you, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean, you know, one guy holding a shaky camera. It's, it's not like that anymore. Oh, no. With the technology, the way it has come, and the obvious love these people have for the material, okay, it is truly amazing what they, what they have done. So any chance, I tell folks, any chance you have to see one of these films, particularly from Star Trek New Voyages or Phase 2, as it's now called, please avail you your, yourself of that because you're going to 
find out just how good that is. And that's what the alternative film program is. That's where you see some of these these fan films, not just with Star Trek, but you know any other kind of you know science fiction that is either being made on film or video or being pulled off the internet, for example. And it's just absolutely shocking how much is out there that a lot of us really didn't know about. Right. So that's another element. Then you have. Um, other things going on, like the children's programming, for example, which is designed for kids from, I believe, 4 to 11, okay? Then you have the, um, what I call fan panel discussions, where folks sit down together in a room for like an hour at a time and discuss a particular subject, you know? It could be Star Trek, it could be a certain movie, it could be a certain TV show, it could be a certain character, and sometimes these talks will go on for hours and hours if there's nothing behind it scheduled in the room. There's something really good about um, like-minded individuals who all love a certain thing, and you just sit them down together informally, and the ideas just start flowing. Mm. It's, it's a lot of fun. It really is. I know one of the things that impressed me about the fan panels last year is um, I'm thinking Christopher Heyerdahl would leave, would leave his signing table and you know jump into like the guest panels on um, Supernatural or jump into the guest panels on Sanctuary and actually participate as one of the panelists. And it was always it always brought him down again to the more personal level as he connected with. Um, and things like that are totally unplanned, by the way. Oh, I know. I know. It's not like you're going to go in there and see, okay, Christopher Heidel on the fan panel. No, they just kind of do it out of their own their own desire, their own love of the genre. Now, one thing that we're extremely you know, proud of about the way we acquire our guests, surely may not be able to always get the biggest names. We've never been able to secure William Shatner or Patrick Stewart or anything like that. But what we'd like to do is get the nicest people. <laughs> people that have been seen in other conventions and have been reported, you know, to us as being extremely fan friendly, people who are not afraid to be out there and mill amongst the people. We want people who not only agree to sign autographs, but folks who are willing in most cases to, you know, help judge the costume contest, to, to be out there maybe on the dance floor. And I have seen this happen over the years. Some of them show up for the dance party, and they just get out there, you know. Um, you know, not necessarily just that, but I mean folks who will be out there amongst the people and not need an entourage of 20 security around them to feel comfortable. Right. And that's, that only improves the bond between a specific actor and their fans to be yeah. able to just sit and just talk to fans and everything. And you don't see that in many other forms. You don't see that at a rock concert or at a, a baseball or football stadium. There's too much craziness going on, you know? There's too much security, you know? It's too tight. Here it's much more of an informal thing. You right. know, it, it's very relaxing, and it makes you it makes you feel good. Yeah, well, very cool. Well, you know... I think that, I think we have a real good we have a real good feel of Shoreleave. How can people find out more about uh, Shoreleave Thirty Two? Okay, well, the very best thing to do is to go online and see our official website www.shore s h o r e dash leave l e a v e dot com. Shoreleave.com, just exactly the way it says. Just be sure to have that little dash between the two words, okay? And that will give you all the latest information. It's updated on nearly a daily basis. 
you know, when additional programming is done or when there are changes or anything like that, it always goes up on the website as quickly as possible. So that's the quickest way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a 24-hour info line. Unfortunately, I don't really have a phone number memorized right now, but uh, I believe it is available on, if you download our flyer and print it off. There is a 24-hour in, info line. But I generally tell folks to get on the uh, website whenever possible and, and check it every day or two for the latest information. And that will be updated, of course, literally down to the last minute. Right, right. Um, and I believe the info line uh, is, uh, let me see, I have it right here. I leave a message at, is it the 410-701-0669? I think so, yes. Yeah, that's so. They, they changed that in the last couple of years. Yeah, so. so. Um, and uh, in, what is it, uh, if you don't mind me asking, maybe for our, our listeners, how much how much does it cost as people are maybe thinking, oh, wow, surely, um, can I do it? Can I do it? I mean, other than lodging, which we won't include here, how much does it cost to get into the convention? Okay. Well, I don't really have the flyer right in front of me. Okay. And, of course, a lot of the uh, prices that you would see online right now are probably talking about pre-reg prices, which really stops today. And there's mm-hmm. always a certain level of discount if you pre-purchase, just like anything else. Right. You know, there's always a discount. But as far as at-the-door prices, uh, I believe there's one uh, cost, you know, for the weekend. I think it's like 85 for an adult membership uh, for the entire weekend. Um, Friday, I think, is like somewhere around 20. Uh, Saturday only, I believe, is it's at least 50, somewhere between 50 and 60, and I believe it's like 40 for Sunday only. You also have the option of attending what's just called Saturday evening only. Some folks uh, have been known to come, and they just want to see the <clears throat> pardon me. They just want to see the um, the uh, the masquerade and the uh, dance party. And that's like 15 if you come like after 6 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, children, 5 to 12, I believe, are, are, are one price. It's like 20, 25. Right. And children, 3 and under, are free with a paying adult. Right. So you have one price for each individual day for those who can only attend one day, and then one price to encompass the entire weekend. And uh, the only thing that's, like I say, workshops are are free. Most activities, once the membership is paid, is free. Um, Let's see, the only thing that's really uh, extra as far as a sizable amount is the uh, photo ops, which I didn't get a chance to mention before. Uh, Photo ops are where, it's just what you might think. It's where you have the opportunity to um, have a professional photo taken with the guest star or guest stars of your choice, and that can be purchased ahead of time or right at the uh, convention when you register, and they average around 35 apiece. And these these photos are literally done within a couple of hours of you taking them. So literally a few hours after you take them, let's say early around midday on a Saturday, uh, they will be placed on our main registration table. Folks can just pick them up and, uh, you know, almost immediately get uh, your guest star of choice to sign them. Hmm. So that's another special option that we that we offer there. Right. And now, do you sign up for that in the site, or can you sign up on the day of the event? Right. It can be done pre, you know, pre-reg, or you can. I believe you can also buy these photo opportunities at the uh, registration table as well, if if you wish to. All right. So they they become very very popular. So. Uh, well, thanks, Mike, for uh, sitting down and chatting with us about Shore Leave 32 this year. We are looking forward to coming and cannot wait to partake of all the activities and all the guests and everything that Shore Leave has to offer. 
Well, thank you so much for, for having me. We hope to see all of you out there and to welcome you all to, to Shoreleaf. Okay, hope that uh, we all see you very, very soon. We appreciate the support.